This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Carrie, your latest article for Foreign Affairs is entitled Don't Fear Putin's Demise. You write in part, quote, Putin's effort to restore Russia's lost empire is destined to fail. The moment is therefore ripe for a transition to democracy and a devolution of power to the regional levels. But for such a political transformation to take place, Putin must be defeated militarily in Ukraine. A decisive loss on the battlefield would pierce Putin's aura of invincibility and expose him as the architect of a failing state, making his regime vulnerable to challenge from within. You heard the report, uh, uh, Putin's threats of, of nuclear weapons. Uh, do, you, do you not fear that? Do you not fear that if Putin is pushed to, to, to the wall, and if he feels there's an existential threat, not only to his regime, but to his life, that he would use nuclear weapons? By the way, he hasn't said nuclear. It's a, it's a fantasy of those who are trying to pretend that, you know, the hypothetical threat of, of nuclear uh, attack uh, could uh, make us slow down supply of, of weapons to Ukraine. Putin talked about uh, different kind of wars, but he never, never mentioned nuclear in the in this speech. I listened; it's it's in, in Russian original. So that's why, again, be sure that you know Putin keeps playing the same card. He's he's bluffing. It always worked, and now he could sense that there is still a weakness on the side of his counterpart. I'm not talking about Ukrainians who are resilient, who are fighting heroically. But look at uh, America and Europe. There's still disagreement about the strategic goal of this war. We still have senior members of this administration talking about negotiated outcome. They're trying to push this false narrative mm -hmm. that every war ends up at negotiating table. That's nothing could be further from the truth. World War II, the war on the values, uh, never ed, has not ended on negotiating table. American Civil War has not ended on negotiating table because when you fight for principles, there's nothing to negotiate. So, uh, so let, let me repeat the question, though, Gary, uh, and, and we agree on much, uh, and we have agreed on much for a very long time, uh, but um, I think you actually do have to worry about uh, a madman who is sitting on more nuclear weapons than any other country uh, on the planet. Do you not fear the possibility that Vladimir Putin could resort to using nuclear weapons? No, anything can happen. You know, you could have a big asteroid hitting Earth. Yes, definitely we should take into account well, that. There's a little asteroid hitting Earth. If we had more time, you know, I could tell you that the chances are, are, are very, very small. But the problem is, you know, if we um, let this blackmail work, then, you know, we have to probably close NATO. Because then the same threat will be used uh, to conquer Lithuania, Latvia, Poland, any, any other, other country. Uh, this is this is a unique moment where we can actually end this 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 the story of Russian empire and offer you know Russians and countries surrounding Russia a, a chance to live in peace. A simple thing: if Putin stays in power, the war will never end because every empire survives only by expanding. Economically, Russia is in terrible shape. There's, there's no hope of economic expansion, which means war. So beating Putin on the battlefield and creating conditions for his removal in Russia, because many Russians, you know, as, as has happened uh, before in our history, will never forget uh, uh, the, the military defeat, the geopolitical catastrophe. That's the, that's, that creates ripe conditions for, for regime change in, right. inside our country. So that's, that's, that's the best hope for everybody, not only Ukrainians. The best hope for everybody. It's Saturday, 4 February in the year of our Lord, 2023. The... And now it's dangerous talk. They just sat there on, on Morning Mika the other day and, and, and equated uh, this border war and this Slavic war and disagreement between Ukraine and Russia that's been going on for thousands of years and will go on thousands of years in the future. 
uh, they equated that to World War II in the American Civil War with unconditional, where we had we were fighting for something. And quite frankly, in World War II, um, it was because we were attacked. Let's let's understand this. We were attacked by the Japanese at Pearl Harbor. There was a lot of things that went on before that. We were attacked by the Japanese in a surprise attack, and Adolf Hitler declared war on us. Declared war on us. This MSNBC is getting to be dangerous. This loose talk of defeating Putin on the battlefield. He must be defe- He must be defeated on the battlefield. We must have unconditional surrender of the Russian people. Something that uh, Napoleon, Adolf Hitler, and what Charles the Twelfth, uh, the the Swede, n- none of whom uh, were able to do that. At, at empires at the top of their game. I want to bring in Jack Posobiec. At the same time, we're going to have Matt Rosendale, try and get Matt Rosendale on the show to join us. We're going to get to the the Chinese uh, spy balloon in a minute. But, Jack, uh, you know the region. Number one, you're pretty unique in that you speak perfect Mandarin. You're a naval intelligence officer. You've been stationed in uh, in uh, Beijing. You've been stationed in mainland China. Uh, you're one of the smartest guys on strategy I know in military intelligence. And you also, given your Polish heritage and background and roots and your wife's from Belarus, you know this region, the bloodlands, as well as anybody. I just want your assessment of the loose talk you saw there on on Morning Joe. And that's getting to be the mantra now over at uh, the mainstream media, that that Putin must be. He, it, for, it's the vital national security interest of the United States of America that's being invaded on its southern border and has an existential threat in the South China Sea and in Taiwan that it is in the vital national security interests of the United States of America and the American citizens to defeat Putin and the Russian army on the battlefield in Ukraine. Jack Posobiec, your assessment of that, sir? Yeah, Steve, I, I, I think I think Gary Kasparov should go back to the chessboard. I mean, he's 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 known for being great at, at playing uh, games that I play with my, my children, and, and that's great. Good for him. I, I appreciate it. But this idea that... He should nonchalantly talk about regime change in Russia. Uh, it's it's dangerous. This is dangerous, loose, glib talk. It's very glib. And, I mean, just go down the list, Stephen. You've talked about Karulis Rex just there. We've talked about others who have attempted this. By the way, we have gone through one regime change in Russia in recent history, or at least recent uh, modern history, in 1917, when we said, well, if we can just get rid of that czar, then Russia's going to be completely fine. Look what happened. Look how that turned out for the world. Look how that turned out for the region when you unleashed the Bolsheviks, when the German Kaiser sent Lenin back on his train car back to Berlin, and we unleashed that insanity on the entire world and had to deal with it for the next 70, 80 years of the Soviet menace. Now they're talking about nonchalantly getting rid of Putin. Who knows who's going to come to power if we get rid of Putin? Or, if, or And they know, by the way, that we're the ones behind it. Meanwhile, you hear the same glib talk like Peter Zahan when he was on uh, Joe Rogan recently saying, well, we need to push him in the corner, we need to push him in the corner, we need to push him in the corner and defeat him on the battlefield. Then they admit, and even, and I, I got to give Scarborough credit here for at least asking the question. He said, well, if you push him in the corner, wouldn't he nu- use nuclear weapons? Because this is the danger of using World War II formulations on nuclear powered states. In 1945, Imperial Japan didn't have the bomb. That's why uh, Truman and the United States were able to use atomic weapons and pound them with impunity because they can't respond the same way that Ukraine doesn't have nuclear weapons today. But guess what? Russia does. And as a matter of fact, they have more nuclear weapons and more missiles than we do. They have 6,000 nuclear tipped missiles. And guess what? Are you going to take out all of them? How much is it worth to you, Gary? What city is it worth to you? Are you worth giving up our nuclear arsenal in Montana where that balloon's floating over? Do you, is it worth giving up Seattle, Washington, New York City? You know New York would be one of the first targets. Washington would be next where my children live. So no, Gary, I don't think it's worth it to me to risk losing an American city just because you want to be able to get points on MSNBC. Absolutely not. But I want to I want to stick on this. I got to go back when you talk about and you use the example of the American Civil War and World War Two about unconditional surrender. The probability to defeat Putin's army with un- to defeat him on the battlefield with unconditional surrender. And American people understand that that's the types of talk you're hearing in Washington, D.C. with all this money going over there. What's the from your intelligence? Put your intelligence hat on for a second. 
and your ability to, to assess order of battle and, and, and resources. Given the Ukrainian army as it stands today, sir, even with some support, logistic support and new weapons from the American from go, the Americans. Go watch. Uh, and, so, and, so, and, and what what's the probability we could defeat Putin on the battlefield in Ukraine unconditionally, destroy his army unconditionally, destroy the Russian people unconditionally on the battlefield in Ukraine, sir, as By you way, assess it now? I'd love to ask Gary, what's all this we talk? <laughs> what's all this we talk, Gary? You and I are sitting in studios. We're not out there on the battlefield. We're not out there in the trenches. It's not our families in Bakhmut and Abdrika and Soldadar that are being crushed right now in the Donbass region. It's not us. We're sitting in palatial studios all over the world. These are the families that are actually being crushed, not you, not your family, not our children. And I hope to God that my children aren't involved in this. Go watch Zelensky's interview with my former colleague Trey Yinks that he did this week in Kiev, where Zelensky himself admits it. He says, look, you've sent us over a dozen tanks, a couple dozen tanks. Thanks. We appreciate it. But Russia has 1,200 tanks. Russia has thousands of tanks and fighters that they are able to send into this fight. So you're going to send over a couple of tanks when we don't even have the training, we don't have the maintenance, we don't have the logistics, the supply chains. By the way, you've got to get them all the way from the border in Lviv all the way to the front, which is in Donbass. That's the other side of Ukraine. And I don't know if you're if you're aware, but Ukraine's kind of a big country that, oh, by the way, is under is in the midst of warfare right now. So you've got to make sure that Russia doesn't decide to blow those things out of the sky with a caliber cruise missile or or blow them out of the ground, I should say, as they're making their way across to the battlefront. This idea that a couple of tanks are going to be enough to take the Russians all the way to unconditional surrender, it's ridiculous. First of all, the Russians don't do unconditional surrender. This is the this, these are the people, these are the people who burned down their own capital just so that Napoleon wouldn't have a place to be able to spend the winter. Then they took the, the whole army, they went into the forest, they waited him out. Then when Napoleon finally quit, they came back in. They, they don't do unconditional surrender, Gary. I don't know if you've been paying attention to, I don't know, a little thing called all of Russian history. They just don't do it. And so when you're dealing with them, you have to understand from a higher strategic standpoint, they're always, and Macron even made this point, that at the end of the day, whatever this stands out, they're going to be there at the other end of Europe. You're going to have to deal with them. So these silly, fanciful, uh, cartoony kind of fairy tales that Gary Kasparov and MSNBC want to spread are ridiculous. They're not tied in any way. They're completely divorced from reality. And the reality is that you will have a regime in the Kremlin one way or the other, and it's not going to necessarily be this fancy one that's perfect one that you wish it was. It's going to be a Russian one. So you have to start from there and then decide where do you go with this? At the end of the day, and I've said this before, that that region, that Volgograd gap, it is not in America's existential strategic interests to maintain control of that for the globalist American empire. But they understand the same way that the Kaiser understood it, the same way that Hitler understood it at Stalingrad, that if you take the Volgograd gap, if you take that area which is between the Black Sea and the Caspian, which connects the two rivers, the two seas, and then the Volga, which goes all the way up to Moscow. That is the key to the Russian heartland. Any Russian leader, I don't care who it is, will fight to the death to defend that land. Um, what's a, Before you go to break, and, and you're going to stick with us for a while, but before we go to the break, the ability to take back the, 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 the Donbass, which has been this territory in dispute, that Russia now controls and has controlled for a while, but now controls militarily in the Crimea. What's the probability that could be taken back? Uh, zero. Zero. Okay. Zero. No doubt in your mind. Uh, I mean, you you would have to go to nuclear war to, to even to even broach the concept. Uh, Russia will never. The Sevastopol is there. This is their Russian. This is the Black Sea Fleet, the home port of the Black Sea Fleet. They will never give up Crimea. You saw what they did to to maintain Stalingrad. Do we really want to open that up again? Really? Okay. Short commercial break. Jack Basovic, a naval intelligence officer, speaks perfect Mandarin, an expert in all things CCP, and not too shabby. Not too shabby on the other side of the Eurasian landmass when he talks about Eastern Europe and, of course, the bloodlands. Short commercial break. We're going to be back in a moment on a Saturday here at the War Room.
Despite the U.S. blowing through $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand, when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's time to pull yours out. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000, and it's only going to get worse. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king because it's dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Bannon, that's B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of our precious metals specialists. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Bannon to 989898. That's Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text Bannon to 989898 today to get your free info kit. Take action. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Um, CPAC.org slash war. We get $47 off of the uh, general mission ticket. We need everybody in the posse to turn out. We're going to be doing the live shows. You're going to be audience participation. You'll be right in there. You never know. Maybe we're going to have a couple of co-hosts, maybe uh, maybe Jack Posobiec and Matt Gaetz. I don't know who's going to drop by. But we want everybody there. This is a gathering of the tribes. We want you there March 1st through 4th. We're going to be there the entire time. We want to see all of the War Room uh, posse, and we'll get to know each other just like it's a turning point, just like at CPAC Dallas, audience participation. And then we'll have breakout rooms uh, and all sorts of things so we can get to know each other and give us feedback on the show. Jack Posobiec, I want th- th- there's loose talk on MSNBC about uh, you must defeat – uh, Russia on the battlefield. We, it's an imperative. Number one imperative in, for America right now is to defeat. I mean, I'm almost. It's almost so insane. I feel almost ridiculous repeating it. That in the year 2023, the number one priority of the United States of America is to defeat the Russian army unconditionally in the Ukraine on the battlefield. That is insane talk, and it's dangerous talk. And MSNBC ought to be ashamed of themselves for even having that on there. It's ridiculous. Talk to me, uh, Posobiec, you're of Polish uh, descent. You, you, you know World War II as well as anybody. T- give the audience, give it your assessment of Leningrad and World War II and Stalingrad. I'm going to pick two random names, Leningrad and Stalingrad. W- what, what happened so, to those two cities in World War II? So what's, what's uh, Stalingrad, and we just went through the 80th anniversary of the surrender of the German Sixth Army, Field Marshal Paulus, uh, Frederick Paulus being the first and believe highest ranking German POW of the war, uh, or at least in, in at that up to that point in World War II. This was the first time a German field army had surrendered anywhere. Um, they had been completely encircled, cut off by the and it was Marshal Zhukov on the Russian side, the Soviet side, uh, fighting in the defense. Um, Khrushchev, of course, traveled down multiple times during Stalingrad, the Battle of Stalingrad, in order to to push that on. But this was the this were these were battles of starvation in in both cases. Now, in so Stalingrad, this becomes the most bloody battle of World War II, the most bloody battle in world history. They fought tooth and nail. They fought to the last man to completely envelop the German army, the Nazi army, the Wehrmacht there. The Luftwaffe had sent, they didn't have air superiority. So the Nazis strafed Stalingrad again and again and again. And so the Soviets simply used the rubble, used the buildings, department buildings, uh, the the Pavlov's house, uh, various areas just, just for sniper duels uh, to go in and use them as, as base camps. And they fought through the winter, through starvation, uh, the same way it's winter right now, the same way the Russians fought during the winters in the Napoleon's invasion, the Pol- during the Swedish wars, um, during various wars throughout their their history um, that they fought in terms of this. Now, when you look at Lenin, and they won, 
obviously they wanted Stalingrad. This is this was the turning point in the Eastern Front. Really, this was the point where the German advance was be, was turned back because they had been stretched so far and so thin. Because Hitler was determined to cut Russia off, and I just explained it before the break, to cut Russia off from the Caucasus, to cut them off from the Black Sea, to cut them off from the Caspian. They wouldn't be able to resupply. He knew that if he cut Russia off from essentially all of their sea access, which it's, it's very easy to bottle Russia up from the sea because Russia's this is this is key to understand for Russian military strategy, that if you are run if you are Russia then you do not have good sea access. You don't have the Murmansk, which is your most north, your northernmost port, is iced over for something like eight months of the year. Uh, St. Petersburg, that at the time Leningrad, it's very easily closed off in the Baltic um, through the, the 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 Bay of Finland. Then, of course, in the Black Sea, you're closed off by Istanbul, the the Bosphorus Strait. So the Russian Navy has always been weak. So you must maintain your sea access. It's also easy if you're fighting Russia to try to. To, to want to cut that off because you know they won't have the ability to project power. What does Russia have to respond with? People, soldiers. This is where you get uh, the order, I forget the order number, but it's it's, it's Stalin's uh, famous order of not one step back, that if you turn back, you would be shot by your superior officers. And they simply send human wave after wave in Stalingrad, up in Leningrad, by the way, where actually more people were killed. So two million total died in, <laughs> in Stalingrad, Leningrad, you have something like 5 million casualties. And Leningrad, that's exactly what I'm talking about. They laid siege to that entire city, something where, so the people died, families died, children were killed, and all the way to the point where if you want to understand where the current Russian leadership is coming from, Vladimir Putin is the not the oldest child of his family, but he's the oldest one that survived because his own older brother starved to death in the siege of Leningrad. So when you think about the Germans, when you think about the current Russian leadership, their view of Germany, their view of the West, their view of Berlin, he's remembering, these are the people who killed my brother. The siege of Leningrad took 900 days. There's a book out by Harrison Salisbury, who won the Pulitzer Prize for the New York Times, as a war correspondent, wrote the book, The 900 Days. The siege of Leningrad... The, they survived. You know how they survived? It was cannibalism. Yeah. It was horrible. The, 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 my point is the experiences in World War II of the Russian people are, are not the experiences of the American people in World War II. Oh, we, when we, we, we have no, loose we have talk on MSR. We have nothing to even compare the, the, to. We have what, the, victory the, gardens the, because the, when we you say the, the German you know, army. And stuff off. No. Yes. No, no clue. And by the way, the valor of the the the, uh, the island hopping Marines and the Navy, and of course uh, everything in in, in 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 the Greatest Generation, the valor is unquestioned. But the war in the East, you know, Operation Barbarossa, our, our, the, 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 the Steve, German the, army that, yeah. Let, let me put it this way, and, and I know this from, you know, from talking to Tanya about it and talking to her family that. For us, World War II was a war that we went over to fight. We went over to fight in Europe for or and, and in the Pacific Theater. In if you live in Eastern Europe, this war was fought in your backyard. It was fought in your front yard. It was fought at your church. It was fought at your school. It was for your families. It was everything. It was your entire world yeah. for five, six years of your life. We we are getting into areas of darkness. And uh, hungry ghost that America, that General Marshall and General Eisenhower and Omar Bradley and General Patton and Field Marshal Montgomery, the British, in, incomprehensive. They would sit there and go uh, this talk. They would say if they had heard what MSNBC played on Friday morning about we have to fight the Russian army. We have to have unconditional surrender on the battlefield, that that is a priority. That is the priority of American national security policy. The leaders of uh, the victors in the West would have said, are you insane? At, at, and just the bloodlands, remember, from 1930 to 1945, 14 or 15 million people were killed in political violence, not on the battlefield, political violence. You had 5 million starved. Ukraine is Kansas. It's the Kansas of Europe or the Eurasia. Five million people, they starved five million Ukrainians. They starved them to death in the middle of Kansas because they took the food. 
Well, Steve, you this is also one of the reasons. Five or six million. Yeah, go ahead. By the way, this is also go one ahead. of the reasons that that Russia looks at Ukraine and and Belarus as their strategic buffer because there is no natural barrier between Germany and Russia, and so and I and I see this as as a descendant of Poland that. Uh, one of the things they they are looking at is they have no mountains. They have the you know they have Caucasus that are to their south, which is sort of their their border with the Middle East, and then the Urals, which are completely enveloped in within Central Russia. It's sort of the split between the the European side of Russia and the Asian side, Siberia side. But there's it's all flat. It's all flat farmland with no serious geographic features. And this is why the land itself becomes the feature that they look at as a buffer between what they consider their strategic uh, their strategic adversary, potentially being Germany, because Germany has always been their strategic adversary. You watch any Soviet movie, it's, all, it's always about Germany. Germany, Germany, Germany. This has been their strategic focus because for the past hundred years, mm-hmm. they've had to deal with invasions from Germany, invasions from France, uh, Prior to that, invasions from Sweden. So they're always worried about this. They're always worried about a Western attack, and they know that Western attacks are going to come through this flat land, this flat area. <laughs> They've been three pretty big, uh, pretty big attacks: the Swedes under, under what Charles the Twelfth. You've got Napoleon and the French. You got Hitler and the Germans. Three That's pretty cool big attacks. Right. We're not, we're not, we're not defending, we're not defending Putin whatsoever. He's a, cr- a criminal element, just like the CCP. But the prioritization we're getting, we're going to have Matt Rosendale join us in a second, the, the great congressman from, from Montana, is that, you know, and I'm so proud we started the show yesterday, Friday show, by talking about this madness at MSNBC and about uh, and about the, the spy balloon over Montana in the, in the Financial Times of London. And yesterday, Blinken to meet Xi during landmark China visit in sign of thawing relations. Well, before the show was over... Blinken, as we had argued, canceled that. There's no thawing relations. The Chinese Communist Party is at an economic but did cyber he, did he information war. Did he cancel it or did he postpone it? Po- okay, postponed it. It's canceled, but it's postponed. Right. You don't you don't cancel a full on audience Jack, with the emperor when you're going to there to kowtow. Okay. The as we've seen now, it's been exposed in the last 70, 72 hours, just like every town's a border town and every town's a border state because of the invasion of the southern border of the United States. Every citizen in this country is in this. When you talk about unconditional surrender of the Russian army and the potential use of tactical nuclear weapons to take Crimea or hold Crimea, tactical nuclear weapons, 12,000 miles away, 10,000 miles away in the eastern border of Ukraine. Don't think that this doesn't involve you, as we now know. Montana and the Dakotas are a big launching pad for ICBMs that has kind of come to the public's mind. You're not safe in Montana. You're not safe in the Dakotas. You're not safe anywhere. As this would spin out of control by these feckless, weak leaders of the United States that are goading this on, everybody's in play. And what we need to do is focus on the existential threat to the United States of America. That is the criminal element in Beijing. The Chinese Communist Party, as we have said from day one, is the reason I'm the first civilian in the history of this nation to be fully sanctioned by the Chinese Communist Party in the state of China. Three minutes into the Biden regime, of which they never said a peep. Congressman Matt Rosendale, Jack Posobiec, next in the war room. The balloon isn't posed to have any to pose any risks to citizens. How is it that the U.S. can assess that, given that the balloon is at such an altitude, you know, without actually getting eyes on it up close and assessing the equipment that's on board? Um, And secondly, um, are there any alternatives being considered to shooting it down? Is there any option to take this balloon out of the sky intact to maybe get a better look at that equipment? Yeah. So so again, uh, this is a surveillance balloon uh, hover, you know, operating at about 60,000 feet. Um, Clearly, you know, we did a a very close assessment in terms of uh, what it's doing. Uh, And as I mentioned, uh, military commanders have assessed that there is no physical or military threat to people on the ground. Um, And so uh, in that regard, we'll continue to monitor. Uh, In terms of way ahead, we will continue to review options, but I'm not going to have anything further to provide on that. So thank you. Is the option of shooting down the balloon, particularly as it's going over more populated areas, 
off the table? Is that still amongst the options that, that the U.S. military is considering? And if so, under what conditions would it do so? Yeah, thanks, Nancy. So, so at this stage, uh, what I can tell you is, again, um, we're reviewing options. I'm not, I'm not going to go into more specifics than that. Uh, and when and if there's any updates to provide, we'll let yes, you know. It's been ruled out. Shooting. Uh, again, we're, we're no, monitoring it's going over the middle. Okay. Now we know it's going over the middle of the country. I'll bring it, Congressman Matt Rosendale. Congressman, just you're one of the great fighters up in Montana, right? The great patriots up there. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have this aggressive nature of the of the uh, Republican House because you were one of the magnificent the, the magnificent six, as we call it. The hardcores. You're too kind. What the heck is going on there? And and, and if, what what what? I don't understand, Congressman Rosendale. Why is the Biden administration kowtowing to the Chinese Communist Party about saying, "Oh, things are thawing. We're going to go over there and meet," and they're leaving Montana and now the rest of the nation exposed? Sir, your assessment. I am very, very concerned about this whole situation, as you can imagine, Steve. Uh, we heard about it early on. Uh, I've got more questions than I have answers. Uh, how how long has the uh, federal government known about this balloon traveling over United States airspace? I mean, it tr- clearly had to travel over several other states before it be- uh, got to Montana. They say that they were protecting uh, our uh, sensitive equipment there in Montana. We've got 140 ICBMs. We have the Air Force Base that's responsible for them. How are they protecting them from uh, having eyes on it from this balloon? Uh, Ryder, General Ryder, did not provide us with much information. I'm trying to understand why they haven't brought the balloon down, whether they shoot it out of the sky or they use some other method with which to bring it down and then acquire the equipment that it's uh, carrying and see what information they have collected and have it in hand. And, And at that point, send Blinken over to the CCP and say, we've got this, we know what's going on, and now have a serious discussion about reining in the Chinese Communist Party and the uh, tactics and the measures that they're taking to try and attack our country, whether it's through cybersecurity, whether it's through all these surveillance methods, or whether it's just through sending fentanyl through Mexico to kill our uh, citizens. Do the, what are the folks in, in Montana? Because you stay very close to your constituents and you're out, you've got the eastern kind of part of the state, um, not the more of the Rocky Mountain part of the state. But the state, and I hope, understands that they're at. We just had this bizarre discussion about tactical nuclear weapons in Ukraine as used on the battlefield to defeat the Russian army. Do the folks in, in, in Montana understand they are absolutely the tip of the spear when you talk when you talk geostrategy because Montana and the Dakotas have a big portion of the intercontinental ballistic missiles right there. Do the folks there understand that? And where are their heads right now about this entire situation? Sure, sure. They do understand that. Uh, the, the entire missile uh, field is located within my district uh, because it's to the uh, east of all of the uh, mountains, the, the Continental Divide. So Mounts from Air Force Base and the entire missile field is located in my district. And these people have grown up uh, in this missile field. They watch those uh, silos constructed. They've watched the growth of the Air Force Base and the different improvements that have taken place around it. Golly day, I, I had Sarah Carter out uh, probably four months ago uh, talking about the purchase of lands by the Chinese Communist Party in Montana and the Huawei installation of uh, telecommunications devices on cell towers, the 5G network, and why in the world that that would be allowed to uh, take place in our country. And so the citizens of Montana are very aware of both the uh, threat that the uh, silos and the missiles uh, pose to other nations to keep them uh, from acting out badly, but they also uh, understand the threat that it poses to them as uh, living in the area where this defense system is, is located, that certainly uh, the bad actors of the world, be it Russia, China, uh, North Korea, would certainly like to eliminate that defense system. Do you believe, um, given that the missile field is in your district, do you believe that either the Biden regime or the Pentagon have come forward and been straightforward with you? I mean, how have you found out information about this? When you started this interview by saying, hey, I got more questions than, I, than we have uh, answers 
Have they been forthcoming to you? Uh, has the Pentagon been uh, forthcoming to you, sir? They have not, Steve. And and we're right now trying to get a, a briefing uh, amongst the whole delegation. I understand that one at a time, it's very difficult to try and, and set up these one-on-one -on -one appointments. But we must have a briefing uh, from the Pentagon to tell us what is going on, so that the two senators and, and both of us representatives can provide the answers to our constituents. I've reached out to the uh, the adjutant general from the uh, uh, National Guard located in Montana, so I could get information from him. I reached out to the uh, CO at Mount Sur Air Force Base, and they're not able to give a lot of information. And so, I, again, I want to know, how long has this been in uh, United States airspace? Well, they can't even tell us, Steve, where the balloon is located right now. Is it still over Montana? I mean, this thing is hovering somewhere in that 60,000 to 80,000 foot uh, altitude. So clearly, if there's a slightest bit of overcast, you're not going to be able to see it. There's certain times, as uh, I see on the monitor now, that folks are able to get a, a, a view or a glint of uh, something metallic that, you know, it shines off of uh, to show that it's in the general area. But now the information that we have is that it's uh, over the center of the continental United States. That's a pretty large area. To, to, to be able to tell us where this thing is located. And again, if it doesn't pose a, a threat, a physical threat to the citizens of the United States, then let's bring it down and, and find out uh, what, what it's carrying and what information well, is it collecting. It, it, it clearly now that this has been disclosed, it clearly spent, I don't know, three, four, five days hovering over Montana in the airbase, right? I mean, they can't hide that. The, the, yeah. the regime, the Biden regime and the Pentagon has kind of hidden that, but it was somehow hovering around uh, the, the airbase. That's just not a, that's not a coincidence. Is it, uh, is it uh, Congressman? And th were they forthcoming with you even on that information? No, they were not. It's not a coincidence. It's not uh, an anomaly. It was there for a specific reason. And so is it is it a decoy, Steve? Do I mean, I would certainly think I'm not a techno guy, but I would certainly think that there are satellites that are uh, circling around the Earth right now that are able to use equipment to identify most of the information that this uh, balloon could also pick up. Uh, we have, as part of the uh, Nuclear Non-Proliferation uh, Act, uh, the Russians have, have gone out to Mount from Air Force Base. They've been to the base. They've been out to the missile silos. They have shared this information. If the Russians have it, then you can rest assured that the Chinese have that same information. So what, what exactly was going on? This is not just a weather balloon that has gotten off course and was roaming freely across the country. If you, as you just stated, it was hovering around the northern tier where these missile uh, silos are located, and, and what was it doing? Was it collecting data? Was it conducting a test? Let's bring it down. Let's gather the information, and then we want to go in and use it as a tool to rein this, um, this bad activity in that the Chinese Communist Party continues to spread out. What, what's, the, what's the folks in, in, uh, in your district their, what, what, is, what would be their stand on this right now if you had a chance <laughs> to go back and, 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 and talk to folks? Oh, I know. They, they'd say use the three S's. That's shoot, shovel, and shut up. That's, that's what my people would say, Steve. And then bury the shovel. <laughs> bury the shovel. Um, we know you didn't get it for a limited time. But I'd like to hold you through this next break. But before doing that, I got Jack Pasovic here. I want to I want to broaden out the picture from just the from just the balloon to the broader context. The um, you know, the the Biden regime in Ukraine. And we've had you on a couple of weeks ago to talk about this. Now, it's not just battle tanks and a new strategy of, you know, liberating Crimea. They want F-16 planes all of a sudden in the last 48 hours. You know, they oh, excuse me. There's 500,000 Russian troops on our border, amassing a border. There's going to be a winter offensive. We need unlimited amount of American arms. And we had Gates on the Friday show. Is it time to force Biden 
and I know you're one of the patriots that, that say we got to think this thing through. Is it time to force Biden to come to Congress and actually make a, a presentation on a war powers resolution that we're so far into this thing that somehow we got to vote? Congress has got to vote on whether we support this or not, sir? I would think so. Uh, Steve, as you well know, when uh, this conflict first broke out in February uh, 23rd of last year, uh, they immediately, uh, the, the war hawks in Congress, uh, brought a resolution forward to grant the president unlimited financial and military support to execute this this operation. Now, it was just a resolution. It wasn't a, a piece of uh, law, but I voted against that. Thomas Massey voted against that. Paul Gosar voted against that. I would not grant that type of unlimited authority to any president. And it, it is, uh, I think it is uh, dangerous to do so. And yet now we have sent in uh, the neighborhood of $100 billion worth of support to Ukraine. And we had an opportunity probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, 45 days ago when the weapon systems on both sides were depleted to the point that the uh, military conflict had quieted down. Why is it that we weren't forcing people to come to the table and have a conversation about establishing a peace accord and, and, and being done with this instead of trying to look for areas where we could find more weapons and fuel, a fuel that is destroying that uh, land and, and killing tens of thousands of people. Uh, Congressman, uh, can you hang on for a second? We'll take a short break and we'll hold you. We got the, the last block in, in this hour. I've got Jack Basovic. OK, we're going to take a short commercial break. We've got uh, Congressman Matt Rosendale. Of course, there's been a huge he's from uh, Montana, a huge issue with Montana in this situation with the Chinese uh, spy uh, balloon. And now they're saying, hey, it could be anywhere in the United States. We've got uh, we got Pasovic here. We're talking about the Ukraine. We're talking about the Chinese Communist Party. We're hurtling towards we're hurtling towards a kinetic conflict. We are being sucked in to this fight in Ukraine. We started with this insane talk of uh, M of MSNBC and Morning Joe, Morning Mika and Joe Scarborough talking with experts and Russian experts, Kasparov, about uh, defeating the Russian army, un unconditional surrender of the Russian army, defeat of the Russian army on battlefields in Ukraine. The talk of the Uniparty, the talk of the uh, World Economic Forum crowd in Davos is out of control. We're going to have Matt Rosendale from Montana, Jack Pasovic from Human Events Daily, next in the world. has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Okay, we have Jack Basovic from Human Events Daily and, of course, uh, Congressman Matt Rosendale. Jack, uh, do you have a question for the congressman? Congressman, what I'd love to hear, though, is – so we're hearing from the Pentagon. Of course, we know about the Minuteman missile silos that this this uh, this spy platform is floating over, possibly collecting on. But I'd love to ask, you know, wh what is your office hearing from the people of the district itself? I mean, you've got constituents out there. You've got ranchers. You've got people living. You've got families. What are they telling you when they see up in their sky a Chinese spy platform where they don't know what's on that thing? They don't know if there's weapons or armaments or, or what on that thing. Uh, uh, what kind of signal are you hearing back from the people that live in that district, sir? Thank you, Jack. Uh, honestly, they've got a bunch of questions just like me. They're, they're asking, why in the world is it that this balloon, first of all, wasn't uh, identified long before it was able to get to the Montana border? That That's the first question. The second question they ask is, if they have all of these satellites that are able to pick up this information and scan our countryside, why is it that they're still pushing this balloon over? I, I mean, is there something that is contained within the uh, the flotation device itself? Okay, if it's the size of three school buses and it has a um, a gas uh, base there to keep it floating, is there something else that's mixed in with that? Are they just running this as a test so that they can see how we react? 
uh, to uh, discovering that the balloon is floating over our, our state? Uh, are they actually using this old device uh, and technology to gather information? Uh, what is giving it the ability to uh, control and hover just in that area? Where are they controlling that from? Is that a land-based control unit that is somewhere nearby, or is that being conducted from China, it, uh, the China mainland itself? So they have a lot of questions. What they don't like is that uh, the United States government is aware of it, and they're giving very little information. And fortunately, they do trust me to go out and bang on doors and desktops to get that information and try and get the truth from our government to tell the people what is going on. Well, I appreciate your candor. Jack's point. I mean, this is, it's, 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 it's yeah. a simple question of the social contract, that the government exists, if anything, that for collective defense, defense of families, defense of your neighborhood, defense of homeland. And it feels like our government has just completely dropped the ball in terms of this. They have dropped the ball. But, and but, when you but, listen to the press conference from General Ryder and, and the uh, way with which he skirted around providing any accurate, detailed information about what is going on, it's, I find it unacceptable. And so do the citizens across Montana. I want to go to a point, though, uh, that this is not the first time. Tell people, because I don't think our nationwide audience knows it as well as the folks in Montana. Talk about Huawei. Talk about the farmland up there around, around, the, around the basic ICBM fields and your fight on that and how that was exactly. not easy. Talk to us about that for a second. We've got a couple minutes. Okay, so uh, the, the land, as I started hearing about these purchases of land around uh, secure or sensitive operations across the country, I started doing some research and I, I was comforted to find out that they really, the Chinese Communist Party had not been buying that much land around Montana. However, uh, when they did install the 5G network across the nation uh, with Huawei, there's a lot of cell towers, as you can imagine, across the state of Montana. And the most sensitive ones are the ones that are are uh, distributing information and collecting signals right there in the uh, north central part of the state, which is near Mounts from Air Force Base, which is responsible for 140, 150 ICBMs. And while, again, the information about the location of the missiles themselves and information about the uh, geographic uh, location of the Air Force Base is fairly public, uh, what is not public is when the missileers, uh, the, the uh, soldiers themselves, are moving around, where their activities are, what missiles are they bringing in for maintenance, and, and when they're doing that. And that, a lot of that information can be picked up off of those cell towers as different people are communicating. And so I did have Sarah Carter come up doing some investigative journalism to say, look, as we begin this rip and replace program to yank out all of the Huawei technology, the, the cell towers around Mounts from Air Force Base should be the first ones on the list to make sure that these foreign entities aren't tracking what is going on with our military. Uh, Congressman Rosedale, I know you got to bounce. We got about a minute or so. Just next week is going to be State of the Union from Biden, and then the investigations really kick off. What's your assessment? What assessment can you give the War Room audience about what they should look forward to in the next couple of weeks about investigating the Biden regime? Everybody has been developing their plans for government oversight for the last 12 months, Steve. And, and, and your posse knows that we have some very, very competent and capable individuals that are going to be walking through all of this administration and their activities uh, from before they were sworn into office and how they have compromised themselves and our country with the different actions that they have taken. So you're going to see in every single committee a lot of oversight that is going to take place and find out and determine why in the world we have been so compromised. Now, then it's going to be up to the Department of Justice to start charging and prosecuting individuals. And if they don't, I think that you're going to hear a hue and cry, not only from Congress, but from people across the nation to say, we are not going to tolerate uh, this uh, any longer. Congressman, you've become a real hero to the American people and to the War Room audience. How do people track you on social media, where do they go to get to your congressional site? At Rep. Rosendale, at Rep. Rosendale. You can uh, get all my uh, social media, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, Gitter, 
and anywhere that you get your information, we are there at Rep. Rosendale. Congressman, thank you. And the good folks in uh, Montana got have to know that the War Room always has their back. The great patriots up there now that they're in the front line of, uh, of this, quite frankly, global war. Thank you very much. It is that. Honored to have you on here. Everybody have a great weekend. Thank you, brother. Uh, Jack Posobiec uh, has got a lot more to say, and we're going to ask him the questions. We're going to get all that information out. Short commercial break. Posobiec could join us on the other side. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 